0: Yo, I'm Evan Mack of the Mac Mania podcast with my two fellas. I'm Brooklyn Zone, Flobo voice. And I'm the Hall of Farmer, Jack Farmer. Follow and listen on Spotify and catch us on the Spotify Green Room after major wrestling events.
1: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when
2: to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local
1: dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
2: There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage
1: options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello, and welcome back to. St- <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I'm always ready. Do you know what? I used to be. Oh, my God. Hello and welcome back to Studio Podcast and Ringer SC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right. Thanks, man. How are you? Very well. Thank you. I am very well. All things considered. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All things considered is a massive Listen, caveat.
1: Sometimes the days as a lawyer don't leave you behind. Carve out clauses, subject to notwithstanding. Good yes. grief. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good weekend. Uh, Gosh, the hesitation. It was good, actually. It was good. Um, Yes. It was challenging, I think, for various geopolitical reasons, Um, but I just spent it watching football and eating decent food in my neighbourhood, which ultimately made it a good weekend. How about yourself?
3: Yeah, all right. Thanks, man. Yeah. I watched uh, the first three alien movies.
1: Oh my goodness. first time in a long time. The third one's actually quite good, isn't it? It's, it's all right. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) The thing about the Alien 3 movie, the third Alien movie, is that it is really about what's about faith and fire, really, isn't it? Because they don't have weapons. Is that right? They haven't got weapons. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's at that crossover point of where CGI becomes a thing. Right. Early advanced CGI where, I say, I use advanced very, very generously. But I suppose for the time it would have been, but like where they couldn't really nail the black of the alien in CGI. So every mm-hmm. time they use a CGI one, it's like, oh, he's
1: randomly a bit green. Yeah. <laughs> you know? do, do you know what's I what In the defense of the alien movies, what's amazing about them is even when they start to decline, even when the alien movies start to decline, there are still scenes that are better than 99% of all of the sci-fi scenes. So for example, in Alien Resurrection in the fourth one, I think when the aliens are swimming,
3: yeah, yeah, no, which Yeah.
1: Blew me, it's still one of the great scenes in a sci-fi movie in a film. That's not particularly good if we're being honest, but that specific moment is like, wow, like the vision there is yeah. something else. Yeah. yeah.
3: But also just uh, every time I rewatch the first one, I've not rewatched it for a good few years, maybe five or six years, maybe longer. It always—I always just forget how visually unbelievable it is.
1: It's mind-blowing, isn't it? The imagination yeah. is so far ahead. Like the bravery, I'll never forget. I think as well the first movie is the bravery of Newt. Is the second movie when she's like that child, basically survives for eighteen months, yeah, yeah. by herself, yeah, by herself, like eighteen months by herself, also with no prospect of knowing who's going to turn up. Yeah, that just blows my mind. Yeah, bravest. That is the Newt. I will argue Newt is the bravest child. That I've ever seen in a sci-fi movie. I'm not sure it's even close at that point.
3: That's a very good shout.
1: Bravest child. So anyone, any other thoughts? But yeah, Newt, I think. Newt's got the trophy. Have we done enough Diversion and distraction yet? Well, no, because it's a segue to trophies, isn't there? See, how I just said there? there? You see, I put wow. the word trophy yeah, there? We're
3: going to be talking about trophies today. We are, we are. Well, we're going to be talking about the race for the Premier League trophy, which is as you were.
1: It is, very much so.
3: However, there was some twists and turns in, in the psychological battle for the top four this weekend.
1: Oh, they were indeed. My goodness. Your team were looking very good. Well, they were
3: and they weren't. Let's, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Because, I'm, smug- you know, I'm smug about that. I'm very smug about that. We'll also talk about the Conti Cup final. Yes. Which happened this weekend. We'll touch on a top-of-the-table clash in CIR. And we'll touch on a couple of other games this weekend. And um, that will be everything. However, we have to start with something extremely yeah. bleak. Yeah. The Liga MX game between Caritaro and Atlas. Some of the worst fighting I've seen in the stadium for as long as I can remember. The game was suspended. The league was suspended. Mm. There have been official reports of multiple hospitalizations. No official reports at the time of recording of any confirmed deaths. Although... In the LA Times, they reported that TV Azteca journalist David Madrano had reported that 17 people had died. Mm. Others were reporting that the toll was much higher. This is based on interviews with some victims and family members indicating that fans were killed.
2: Mm.
1: I also saw Roman Molina tweeting about the deaths, and he's yeah. obviously someone that doesn't tweet unless he's got things pretty verified. So yeah, grim. Um, horrific,
3: horrific scenes there. It feels like there has been numerous murky elements to the game in terms of the lack of fan separation, the lack of police presence or sustained police presence, the lack of police response in in the fighting as well or crowd control and just the targeting of certain fans based purely on shirts, young children having to remove the shirts that they were wearing for Mm. fear of being attacked. I accidentally came across some of the footage from it and I would recommend not watching it because it is horrific. It is yeah, truly it's horrific. It's extremely, yeah, yeah. There's a history of this and there's a few elements at play here that I think only detailed reporters and watchers of League MX will be able to handle properly. Mm. I don't particularly feel super comfortable going into it in any, in any real depth because it's not a league that we are absolutely in tune with everything that's going on and I think it would be unfair to, to do that.
1: Yeah. That's wise. That's wise. I think I agree with that. It's hard, isn't it? Because there's so many, there's such a gap between the official version and, why is that official, the version that talks about there being no deaths and then journalists who we respect who've been covering these areas for a while talking about actually a significant death count. And there's it's just, it's too early for, I think, for that really detailed reporting to come through. Mm. And I think it's also, I'd also hesitate to draw conclusions as many have about the unique specific nature of, of, of Mexican culture and fan violence and all the rest of it, because we've seen, we have seen deaths at football grounds all over the world before. You know, this isn't, it's not specific to Liga MX. We've seen this before. Uh, you know, we saw it in Egypt, um, we saw, it. you know, European cup final, you know, we, we've, we've seen, we've seen this yeah. before. So let's just, um, Let's, let's hesitate in judgment, I think.
3: Yeah, just um, thoughts with everyone who was caught up in that. And um, any victims or injure, people injured or families of those affected, that's just yeah. a horrible, horrible thing to see. Yeah. Um, we haven't done the admin yet, so let's just move on from that by saying we hope everyone is, wherever possible, staying safe and well. And uh, anyone affected by other things going on in the world and impacted, yeah, sending love, sending thoughts. Mm. Let's do some boring admin before we move on to the rest of the good football. Wright's house this week will be, believe me, over and flow. What a Start combo! Wednesday. What a combo! What a combo! It's always a good combo in Wright's house, though, unless it's you and me. It's <laughs> just so oh like, oh no! Oh god! Oh no! Oh god! <laughs> Got the two old timers up top. You're not <laughs> well, old. you You're not. You're not
1: old. Oh my god! I'm. I, old. I, I'm very much in. Has your hair? Has your hair fallen out? exactly it has not exactly well no. they exactly you I'm see actually
3: growing it at the moment well you said,
1: don't rub it, you see that though you haven't you know you're not old, that's why you said that, Yeah, but you know what though i the mustache isn't a cry for help, but maybe the growing the hair is I'm so old that the light was green the other day, and I was crossing the road, and I was scared it would go red. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Other admin, TheRinger.com and TheRinger.com forward slash soccer. There's going to be some more stuff going up for the next couple of weeks. Some Champions League stuff. I'm going to do some F1 stuff next week ahead of the season returning. And so there's a nice little window after the drive to survive. Season four drops, which recaps all of last year's drama. And, then and Mayo, Mayo a- went
1: to the Premier, didn't he? Yeah. God.
3: I can't roll with that. I can't roll with those levels. Listen. i just sit in a room and make podcasts. Uh, any other admin? Oh, do you know what? If you do like what we do and you listen to a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, hmm. what a little, just f- straight off the dome and it rhymed. Please, please leave us a r- rate and a review. It'd be very kind. Preferably a nice one. If it's a bad one, then just at us, at Stadio. You notice how I didn't include you in that this time? We Why said? I
1: not? I'm actually, I could, do, I could do some attention. Actually,
3: no, do, do it at Okwanga because like I said before, he's probably muted you. So
1: that's fine.
3: <laughs> Let's go on to the fun football. Yes, well, fun for some. After this, the Manchester derby, which shocked international viewers by being played in the golden glow of the Manchester sunshine. <laughs> yes, yes. Everyone just was some- just like, "What the fuck are they playing this?" <laughs> Someone had to film a bit. Yeah, look at that sunshine. It's glorious. <laughs> it was Manchester City 4 Manchester United 1 where would you like to begin
1: well I think uh, we can conclude the sunshine was actually the glow of the oven as United got cooked (laughs) see what I did (laughs) (laughs) there where do we begin Manchester City 4 Manchester United 1 Manchester United, the first 20 minutes, did some really impressive things. Yeah, they did. Considering their absences, Cristiano Ronaldo was missing, so it was meant they had to play, I suppose, more expansive and intense game. But so was Cavani, which I think was a huge hindrance. The setup for United was slightly odd. They started with a, it was, it was a 4-4-2 basically, mm. with Pogba and Fernandes up front. And the problem with that is that Pogba was, although he got a superb assist for Santos' equaliser, wasn't on the ball enough, in my opinion. Just not really on the ball enough. It was just too high up the pitch. And it was funny because United started really well they went a goal down. And I thought it was slightly unfortunate that they, that happened to them because they started the game with real intent. They did all the things you're meant to do at City. Go there, impose yourself on the game. Like, give it a go. And they really, really did. And they did it in a structured way. It wasn't just kick and rush. They pressed intelligently. And that was all in the first five minutes. But I suppose the warning sign was, <sighs> you know, Bissaka, unquestionably was targeted, right? Mm. Like they swarmed his flank because they know he doesn't like playing out. And I've mentioned this analogy before, but it's a bit like when you had peak Marcelo for Madrid and peak Carvajal and people would tend to target Carvajal more because they knew that Marcelo was the outball. I'm not blaming one Bissaka about this because he's a very good one-on-one defender, but very few fullbacks in the Premier League are very good two-on-one or three-on-one defenders. And if you look at the goal, the opening goal, Grealish and Bernardo Silva attack him in a pack. And that was clearly a thing they did throughout the game. They did that. They opened it up, Grealish, Bernardo Silva and a tap in from, from De Bruyne who was deadly in a central area. And the funny thing here was it really just foreshadowed the problems that United would have for the rest of the game. because the organization of Lindelof and Maguire positionally, I don't want to like pile on because everyone else is going to pile on this morning. But I think, you know, it's fair to say it was subpar, the positioning, because, you know, we, we can talk about Maguire lacking speed. We can talk about Lindelof lacking speed. But I think the problem here was, Ryan, it was a lack of authority. Mm. you know what that I mean? Like the desire just to get in there and, and clear, the desire to get in there. And I don't mean to, desire, desire is an overrated word. It implies the players weren't trying. I'm not saying that. It's more about the... um there was a lot of desire chat they, on, they,
3: the, they weren't, on the coverage afterwards. I think that's
1: unfair. I, th- I think I've said that they were, they were not proactive. United stopped being proactive at key points, if that makes sense. How, how did you see it? Any-
3: um, size of similar ability have gone to the Etihad over the last few years and been dealt with the same way. But Manchester United's was, uh, record against Man City in this fixture away from home has actually been pretty good over the last few seasons. Really good. So Manchester City are automatic. I mean we've mentioned this a number of times before is that you can take certain players out of the side and put another one in there and rarely does it create a huge amount of imbalance to their overall what's the word? Vi- let's say vibe. Yeah, the, the shape, vector. the energy, the intensity. The yeah. Yeah. They create the same passing patterns they can create the same intensity when they are on, they are so on. And I think Manchester United, where they're at at the moment, you see that they are a club kind of, or a side that's kind of in between anywhere. They're not really, they don't really have an identity. They don't really have uh, an automatic style of play. And I think you've just seen the two contrasts in where the sides are at at the moment. You know, Manchester City, really good investment, smart recruiting, obviously a lot of money uh, and a a, a general, well, one of the greatest coaches of all time and a side that has been together for a long, long time, that just knows exactly what to do, even to the point where you put in the newest element of that side, like Jack Grealish, and it doesn't really upset the balance, yeah. even though he's, he's changed the way he's played to fit more into this Manchester City setup.
1: Hugely, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. You said something really interesting that I think, yeah, Manchester United coped with Man City okay in the first half. Sancho getting that equaliser, which was great. The second half just was... It was just a complete masterclass. I remember catching the amount of passes that City had had after a certain point in the second half, it, it flashed up. It was really strange that Manchester United had hardly had any
1: up to that point. Do you know, this is the thing, that we're watching City, I'm confused. Did they actually tweak anything? Like, I know it sounds weird to say this because I, I saw some commentary about, oh, United really gave up after the third goal, but I'm like, I don't. I I don't know. I watched. I actually had to watch the second half again just to check this. And I was like, "Well, I don't know if they gave up after the third goal. I think there was a lack of effort at a certain point, but I think it was more that they couldn't work out who the weak link was. It's like they kept watching because they were pressing in packs to start the game. Right? They were to their credit. They would the first person would press, and second was slightly behind, and they were trying to press. But there came a point when you're pressing City. The whole point is you press, and then it's the next or the third Press that gets you the ball. The problem is because the technique of the players was so good, you're not sure who the weak link is going to be. So you have you pick your poison. You either go in and commit yourself to a player who might concede the ball, or you sink a bit deeper and hope that the space has become so compressed that you're likely to get something. Because if you if you're right up the top of the pitch and you concede, then you get burned on the overload. And there was one specific moment when I was like, my goodness, United are utterly doomed in this game. It's when a fullback brought the ball at the pitch and there. Touch was so good. I thought it was Cancelo, and I was like, "Oh, it's it's Carl Walker." And Carl Walker's technical ability is obviously is excellent, but like, if anything, he's improved on the ball. Like, like his mm. his 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 confidence bringing the ball up the play into multiple coverage is, is more. So, if if we're being brutally honest about what this game was, Ryan Gundogan was on the bench. That that that's that that really says it all. That really, I'm sorry to be. They had. You have supreme ball players. You have any one of like, you have Foden, Grealish, um, De Bruyne, and Bernardo Silva, right? Those are four utterly elite. Utterly number eights. No, this game was so good. City was so good in this game that I started fantasizing about it. I was thinking, my goodness, finally I can imagine a team in which Steven Gerrard, peak Steven Gerrard's abilities would be used their fullest potential. Like, when I look at this Man City team, I think to myself, Steven Gerrard playing anywhere in the kind of front five is astonishing in this because what it does is the City, this City team, it fully, I I don't think the City, I'm not saying that people are going, this is going to be a style of play people replicate down the leagues, but what Pep Guardiola has done is he has fully unlocked the capabilities of the central midfielder in a way I did not think possible had one of those number 8s playing essentially as a striker. Yeah, 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 I know that's what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's incredible. And
3: actually doing really well in that position because I think that um, I think it was Jasmine Baba made a really good point on Twitter saying that just because you have a mid, a non-recognized striker playing in the striking role, does yeah. it doesn't mean you're playing a false nine.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. No. Yeah.
3: The runs that Foden made quite often
1: were just traditional number 9 runs. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as as Foden in the Champions League in particular has done some really, really exciting things Ult- ultimately as a striker. Mm. Um, I talk about crashing the box. De Bruyne, comes; his goal comes from like four yards out. If you've got your midfielders making runs like that, and what Pep has done so cleverly is he's like, yep, you have the traditional centre midfielder brief and just add like 15% to it or whatever. Mm. And so he's always, he's taken this, he's, he's, Pep has effectively said, I think, okay, look, we don't have traditional striker this season because we couldn't get Kane. Everyone's going to do 20% more of the movement that the nine would do. And we're seeing it now. And here's the thing, actually, this is funny because this is a weekend where traditional nines actually really struggled. If you look across leagues, you look at like, you know, Sam Kerr had to pull wide too often uh, in the Conte Cup final, which ultimately was the detriment of her team. You saw Victor Ossiman completely outnumbered um, for Napoli, multiple times outnumbered for Napoli against Milan. And you're like, you know what? Like the thing about this pep team, that's incredible, is it gives you strength in numbers. Wherever you are in the final third, you're always hunting in packs. There -hmm. was not a single time in this game, that someone went to the United final third and they were isolated. There was always a passing option. There was always a combination. And this is, you know, we have to give credit here um, to City because they've managed this ability to, to combine. There was a guy, was it Albert uh, Sensei, I think is the Twitter handle. And he said, this is the best. This is, he said, this is the best Pep. And what he meant was like, Pep's had better pieces before, but in terms of coaching and and the way and the movement and the interchangeability of players, he was like, this is, this is Pep's best team. And you know what? I love that because that's such a strong argument. It's such a strong argument, actually. I like it, but I'm not sure I agree with it because I'm still attached to that. Yeah, to it's kind of like Barca. when,
3: you know, like when a band breaks out with a debut album, that everyone's just like, wow, this is groundbreaking. And right. then all of a sudden the next six or eight years after that, everyone tries to replicate the sound that they do. And then by the like, their sixth studio album 13 years later they come with some,
1: a completely stylistic shift and everyone's just like holy shit it's like Gorillas. it's like when he went like it's like 2011 Pep was like Blur and this is like Gorillas, <laughs> where you're uh, like
3: that's, I think that's giving Blur a hell of a lot of credit comparing them to the Barcelona this is one of the well, greatest if, club sites of all
1: time well listen they're the, Brit, they're the Barcelona Britpop give them that give them that I loved I loved that I love that Blur edition but I just think in terms of if you ever thought that'd even be a conversation here's the thing if you thought there'd even be a conversation about this City team in the league of that one, I think that maybe a couple of seasons ago, mm, no way, because that Barcelona team is still the greatest I've ever seen. But this team gives them, in a best of five, they give them a tough time. I don't think they beat them because that Barcelona team is still otherworldly. But what Pep has done with these pieces, and I have to sort of emphasise that, because I know that, you know I, you know, I know that City have got all this money, so that that kind of almost includes a conversation about the quality of what City are doing we said this before City are doomed for the football never to be fully appreciated for various reasons on and off the field some good some bad Um, but in terms of the footballing spectacle it was almost like how do I say this there's such a gap between City and Liverpool in that bracket and everyone else that the problem with this defeat is you look at it and you're like Manchester United are just years from this
3: yeah you have to caveat a lot of that with the financial might of Manchester City but using the music analogy again just because you've got all the gear doesn't mean you've got an idea bingo that's the thing like we've seen it with Manchester United how a a textbook example of how to waste a gigantic amount of money over a billion they spent about the same amount of city over over a sustained amount of time yeah without the infrastructure to maximise that. Mm. You would expect Manchester City to be in the top two at least every single season because of the financial dominance that they have. Yeah, you would. But also coaches have got a coach. And second half in particular, I just thought
1: they were just overwhelmed. They were over they were just it was like watching De Bruyne stride forward through the midfield. And Martin Tyler actually the most perceptive thing. He said people talk about breaking the lines. He goes, there's no lines to break.
3: Because he's already broken them all.
1: Greenish. Grealish, greenish <laughs> received the ball at one point, um, just inside his own half and just strode forward about 20, 30 yards. Another time De Bruyne did it. And there was almost like the moment, there were just these massive gaps. It was mm. so, so strange. Like you had, you know, Pogba up there isolated, you know, he did, he got the assist and then, but in the second half didn't really have the impact, um, financially either. Rashford, I mean, this is the big, I suppose the conversation that many other podcasts and people will be having, the lack of confidence in Marcus Rashford. Two occasions where he goes through on goal and doesn't get, doesn't get the pass off for the, um, for the breakaway, doesn't see his man. Um, and then doesn't get the shot off when he goes through one-on-one, which becomes quickly a two-on-one and a three-on-one because everyone crowds the space. I just thought this is not a confident football. And the thing is, Rashford started out as a conventional nine. Like he, you saw him, you saw him like against Arsenal early on and you mm. saw him, you know, we saw him as a brilliant ball carrier. There was a game, I think when United beat Crystal Palace, it was, I think it was last season, he's out on the left flank and it's, his footwork is just spellbinding. It's 2-0, I think. And the way he carries the ball for like 70 yards before making the assist is just spectacular. I was thinking, where is that guy? Mm. This isn't the technical thing with Rashford. It's, it's, it's confidence, it's psychological, whatever, but it's, he's a nine, right? He can, he can play as a nine. And it's almost like he's had so many different forms of tutelage. And my fear with him is this, right? My fear with Rashford was, and it happened to Martial too, that with so many different coaches who don't see his capabilities and because he's technically very gifted and because he's fast, you can just throw him on the count and make him make things up, but he needs to be coached. And I think you're seeing now the effects of a player that hasn't been coached properly or consistently for the last couple of years. Because if you're telling me that like Pep Guardiola wouldn't have Marcus Rashford and turn him into an astonishing striker, I don't believe you. I do not believe that Jurgen Klopp or Guardiola would allow this. That, this isn't on Rangnick, I'm not saying. I think the damage was done before Rangnick arrived.
3: I said when he got hired, I didn't think the fit was great. But we still have a bit of sympathy for Ralph Rangnick, No, no, I do,
1: I do, I do, I do. Rangnick has made some things work. He's shifted some things around. You know, United, after the, the, the recent drop, until the recent drop-off, were looking in with the shout of Champions League, which frankly they should be with their resources, but still, I just think that if you look around, if we, f- if we look around at who was available and also who would say yes, because that's a smaller group, who's available of the requisite quality, that small, who would say yes again, because God knows who they spoke to who said no. But I'm sure Rangnick's not the only person they asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to sort of, it will be easy for people to second guess this decision. And I, God knows I've been critical of United's board for good reason. But this isn't necessarily a thing as an interim I would criticise. I think the real problem for United is you know, Gary Neville said, I think he said, um, oh yeah, well, it's a new era. And I was like, it's not a new era because the CEO of United is, is close to Woodward and was part mm-hmm. of this. It's, it's essentially the same infrastructure at United. Which really, really worries me. You know, the recruit the recruitment issues are a real problem. United have recruited badly for what years now? Yeah, yeah, with with the
3: occasional kind of good one. With there? the occasional, yeah.
1: yeah, actually, no, yeah, to be more more than occasional. But they they've the recruitment, I think, has been haphazard. I think that's fairer. Yeah, it's not it's not been it's right. not been cohesive. That's it. Yeah, it's not been cohesive. Um, so it's as you were at the top of the Premier
3: League, because Liverpool beat West Ham
1: 1-0 at Anfield on Saturday. Someone said, is Trent Alexander-Arnold the best right-back of all time? And it was a question, you know, it was, just, it was on the quick bit questions, but here's the thing I thought to myself, is he even a right-back at this point? Is it just a deep-lying playmaker? Like he just, he just stands. It's incredible. I'm not, it's not criticism at all, because this is what, this is the way he plays. He just stands like 20 yards off the action. He's like an archer. He's like an archer. He's like an Olympic archer. You just watch him like standing 20 yards off the target. And he's like, oh, I'm going to stand basically as far back as I he's can. you Haw- he's Hawkeye? Kind of, yeah.
3: It's like Alexander Haw- Hawkeye without the, the going do, rogue aspects.
1: You know, I think, I, think he, I think he is. He's an emotionally stable <laughs> Hawkeye. Like, you know, like, he's, he's there. Like, he stands 20 yards off and he's like, what's the furthest back I, w- I can stand without people picking me up or pressing me because people are taking care of that in front of me? And then he just, opens, he just opens it up. It's truly incredible. It's, he's a positionless fullback. It's bizarre.
3: <laughs> it was a good result for Liverpool, that. Another good result for Palace, beating
1: Wolves 2-0 away. Palace, listen. Listen, Palace.
3: Fierro's doing work. Brentford got a much-needed win over Norwich. And Christian Eriksen's first start for the club, uh, they, they beat Norwich 3-1, thanks to a I'm-Tony hat-trick, two of which were penalties. <laughs> unbelievable moment in this game that everyone Ivan saw. Ivan atonement
1: I will say given, yes. yeah Ivan atonement <laughs> um,
3: Brandon Williams wrestling Christian Erickson to the ground and was so ready for a scrap and then he looked down and he was just like oh it's Christian Erickson Hey, man. <laughs> they just had a hug and then they got up.
1: You know, it's so funny, but I saw that and I thought, this is so wholesome. And I also, Ericsson was like, I must have been like, no, no, kick me, kick me. I want to show that I'm back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Don't give me any special treatment. And yeah. he was just
3: like, oh, Christian, no, hey, man. Oh, let's hug it out. Get it used was to it, Christian. so
1: lovely. That, <laughs> that was, was so lovely. Do you know, it was so, do you know, I love it? The spontaneous beauty of it. It's like, yeah. what, a ni- what a nice man.
3: What the fuck? Oh, it's you. Hey, man. Oh, hey, man. hey. glad you're here. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, very lovely moment.
1: Newcastle, good
3: win over Brighton, beating them 2-1. Chelsea dealt with Burnley, 4-0. They did. A couple of goals for Kai, Kai Havertz. Havertz. Again,
1: ghost protocol. <laughs> Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz's head. Okay, look, watch his opening goal again. Watch his goals. Watch this game. Watch, watch his head and like how does a man this big keep disappearing? <laughs> he, he, he's there. I'm like, I'm watching the ball coming. Like, oh, there's, oh, he's gone. Oh, there, he's back again. And then he, I think he even heads in at the near post. It's so funny. He's, he, he is, he is generally one of the most, um, intriguing footballers I've ever seen. I think not yeah, since, since, him, since think not since Thomas it. Muller have I seen a player as intriguing as that. Um,
3: Villa got a much needed win as well. That's back to back wins now in the, in the league for them after that little patchy run of form against Southampton, who, this is a really good game. I mean, this is just the kind of g- game that like Southampton have in them every once in a while. They put together this really, really strong run of form and then they get absolutely smashed. Um, but yeah, fair play to the Villa.
1: I think it's an individual quality thing sometimes. I think what happens against Southampton is like, they obviously like are very, very well coached. But the thing is, if, one, if a player of like extreme quality mm. just decides to go off, I think they just struggled with that This on a one-to-one matchup because Coutinho was just in a state of grace at this point. Like when he's like that, this was like 2013-14 Coutinho until yeah. he missed that sitter. But yeah. Uh, Leicester beating
3: Leeds on Saturday, Jesse Marsh's first game in charge. And I thought Leeds did all right. I think he, um, I mean, they, to be honest, they should have scored. They could have won the game. They should have won the game. The amount of chances they missed. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a very promising start from Jesse Marsh, despite the result. Um. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to see how that that goes because him and Bielsa are very different coaches. And as we saw when Jesse Marsh was at Leipzig, mm. trying to get players to, to play the way, the kind of football that he wants them to play after they drifted away from that Leipzig model under Nagelsmann was very tricky. Mm. So intrigued to see what he does in the Premier, Premier League because even though we had our doubts, I think, about him going to Leipzig when he did, he is a great coach. yeah, And he comes across like a really good guy as well. and. Yeah, I want him to, I want him to land somewhere and do good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arsenal beat Watford 3-2. Oh, the goals, road. This. The, the goals in The goals were beautiful.
1: Um, four of the five goals were like goal of the month contenders. All the
3: goals were really good though. And like, they
1: were, they were, they were, um, the Moussa-Sissoko one was merely very good. and the the other, the other one f- as well. The other four were spectacular. This is the thing. The problem with the technical level of the Premier League is that like, in seasons past, you'd be like, oh my God, Bice cooking. now that's like, yeah, standard
3: even well, the Salo like, did one in the Man City game at the end and they were just like they're just fucking around now they're just trying
1: things it's calm this is the like, thing you're trying things at the end of the Manchester derby because it's just done can I say what scared me about this game the combination between Odegaard and Saka for the opening goal I did just not so like good, I did not like that one bit I didn't like it because this is extremely dangerous now yes the way
3: uh, I, I liked it very much I was just sat
1: there being like <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yes 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 I did more, not. More. As, a, as a football fan, I loved it, as United fan. It terrified me. The speed of the interplay and the understanding and the calmness of it.
3: I mean, you know, we have to come at this with this is a side who are next to bottom in the Premier League and will probably
1: go down. We had a nil nil against them, right? We had a nil nil against them. So
3: yeah, well, you know, yeah, Arsenal are a point ahead and have three games to hand. So that could wow. be ten. That
1: could be ten wow. points. More. Wow. Okay. Do you and know they what? have you to know? play each other?
3: So. Wow! Oh, okay. why am I doing this? This is coming back to haunt me. The true self. That.
1: The true self came out. No easy wins in the Premier League. No easy games. Can I say also Saka's goal as well? Saka sending was it, you know the Messi goal against um, City in the Champions League. Yeah,
3: that, well, there was an actual Arsenal edit. some Arsenal fans edited the two side by side. No, it, someone yeah. did
1: it. Oh my god, I didn't see. Yeah, but sends it's in the wrong way, furry. top of the box. It's just unbelievable.
3: Uh, but Kai Saka became the What well, became the youngest Arsenal player to score? 20 goals in all competitions since Cesc Fabregas.
1: I love yeah. that. I love that for him. Yeah. Interesting. Martin Lady got extent. a beauty as
3: well. Yeah. Celebrated it very like, very
1: intensely. Odegaard's touch is very, very Ozil. Did some very Urzel things in this game. Martin Odegaard is just a really good footballer. That's his, that's, this, 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 this is the funny thing about footballers who are brilliant and then like kind of have a couple of like quiet seasons people forget that they're actually astonishing. Did he even have any quiet seasons though?
3: Not he really. Had, I mean, he had half a quiet season where he didn't, when he went back to Real Madrid, they called him back from loan, even though he was supposed to be at Real Sociedad on a two-year loan.
1: Where he was brilliant.
3: And that one year he ha- had at Real Sociedad, he was arguably the best player in La Liga.
1: It was lights out. It was, lights he was out. unbelievable and they adored him there. But he wasn't on the global radar. Like in terms of his, if you look at his name and like what he was billed as, like all those guys like Halilovic and those people that come through and was like, wow, they're going to be that. And he slightly went off the, the radar. But he's like, he's one of the best attacking midf- young attacking midfielders in the world.
3: Like, and he feels like a senior player already at Arsenal, he yeah. said. I think he might be captain
1: next season. I'm really excited for Arsenal once he really gets going.
3: I want him to get working, like, I want Agent Erdogan working in Holland. It's really good over here, man. It's so fun. It's so fun. They might What's, not
1: pay as much. But what, but what if really Martinelli Le- Martin <laughs> becomes the guy?
3: Uh, I would, I would very much be okay with Holland flanked by Martinelli and Saka and Erdogan. And how Smith about Martinelli through somewhere. the middle
1: and the night like bring Dembélé and from Barca.
3: Oh, you, oh, you touched on this though. Do you know what? Yeah. I don't think Dembélé. I don't think Dembélé would start.
1: I think if you hit on that left flank tucking in. <sighs> Martinelli through the middle. Listen,
3: I think everyone's just, I just, just come to Arsenal, guys. It's really fun now. It's fun, yeah. It's London it's, as well. Yeah, I mean. It's a vibe. All the oligarchs are getting shipped out, so there's going to be loads of property available soon. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's <gonna be>
1: <laughs> I could afford a flat at this rate. Anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. definitely can't. <laughs> um, we've gone on
3: for ages about the Premier League. Okay. Let's take a quick break. Let's do it. before we go to mainland europe good weekend for manchester city as a club because man city won the conti cup final against chelsea coming from behind
1: yeah this was you know this was such an um, interesting game because the game took place uh in south west london and there was a bit of a needle before the game cuz city were like this doesn't feel like a neutral venue emma hayes was like actually we've never played here ourselves before but there was a kind of there was, an, there was a kind of intimation that it was kind of a home fixture for Chelsea, but it, it really really wasn't as the game transpired. I mean, Ian actually mentioned this, the, the pitch conditions were frankly terrible. Yeah, help. They've,
3: Well, they've had rugby playing there, uh, London Broncos, I think, um, have been playing there in the
1: Super League. Yeah, not a fan of the pitch quality. I mean, the ball was basically like. I, I mentioned, it, I mentioned to, in the chat to Flo as well, it was a bit like the ball was a bit like a bald egg at one point, the way it was sort of skipping about. But I will say this, the thing about Chelsea, and this was my fear before the game started, the absence of Frank Kirby. Mm. Frank Kirby is someone who really completely knits together that front line. And in Frank Kirby's absence, the problem was this, there was no cohesion. So you had Jisoo um, Yon in there, Guru Wright and Sophie Ingle, who actually took... Chelsea to the title before, right? They took them to the title. But maybe this is a sign of how teams have evolved and playing against Chelsea. That combination that was once a tried and tested form of success didn't work. Penelah Harder, um, I've never seen her, I suppose, so unsure in terms of attacking intent. so The touch wasn't quite flowing. Uh, her play, she wasn't in her rhythm. Sam Kerr, some really good early movements obviously got the opening goal and was pulling wide a lot um to make crosses but chelsea weren't when she pulled wide chelsea didn't crash the box to make up for that movement which was excellent in the early stages and one thing as well that city did so well in this game and full credit to them they weathered the early storm we've yeah. seen chelsea in cup Kept, finals kind of hung in the game yeah last year's cup I final thought that was really impressive chelsea flew out the blocks yeah fa cup final flew out the blocks We know what Chelsea do. And there was clearly some kind of instruction just absorb the pressure and Chelsea will drop in intensity and that's what they did. And the conditions changed and City started finding the gaps. Lauren Hemp actually had a slightly uncertain start, I think. You know, she ended up being an outstanding player, had an Mm -hmm. uncertain start. I think a couple of efforts early on could have taken them with a different foot and it would have been different, could have scored a goal, but her influence grew. And I think uh, Tim Stillman said they're denying Lauren Hemp Possession and that's key to this game. But over time, as Lucy Bruns started advancing and giving them more problems to think about. Because Lucy Bruns didn't start that intensely, I have to say. No. But as she started to advance, it gave Chelsea multiple problems and they never fully recovered from that.
3: No, I mean what well, Caroline Weir got them back into the game a few minutes after halftime. Ellen yeah. White gave them the lead less than ten minutes later. Mm. And then Caroline Weir sealed it late in the game with the the best ga- goal of the game I thought volley and from just just inside the box
1: where's highlight film by the time she retires is going to be oh unbelievable, the god man
3: yeah like well the fact deep. that she scored like back to back chips in back to back Manchester derbies right pretty much was just like <laughs> it was like the exact goal it was just like you what to see the goalkeeper treating it, it? Oh, like, it's just, no it's happening again <laughs> like not, I'm not I'm not convinced I'm not you know I'm not happy with scoring the exact carbon copy of the goal I'm going to do it in the exact same fixture as well
1: can I say slightly slightly damning about Chelsea in the defensive sense these goals, Caroline, Weir effectively strolled through. Like yeah. she wasn't, she wasn't like cutting at high speed. She was essentially strolling, and you know, a, a great strength for Chelsea. I think, um, well, they've had they've had challenges to their defence throughout the season. I think it's fair to say, but they really seem to have turned that corner um, in more recent games. But it felt like this was a game where we saw a slight return to some of the disorganisation that's blighted them this year. And it really felt to me like this. Felt like the the Wolfsburg game in the Champions League when Chelsea's yeah. career, as we when we look back to that, we can say this is when the, this is when the season turned for them. They were doing really well in that first half against Wolfsburg, and the problems were self inflicted. Yeah. And here again, the, the initial problems in this in this game for Chelsea were self inflicted, and the problem was they just really didn't have a midfielder. So I was actually talking to um, someone online about this afterwards. I think it was was it Becky Taylor Gill about. Just the lack of match control. yeah. The lack of match control has said to me, there was no one really to control the tempo. Um, Chelsea have struggled
3: in games where they can't keep control of them this season.
1: Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because, you know, Kira Walsh um, was harried out of possession a couple of times early on. But once she found her tempo and her rhythm, it felt like, I mean, caveat, City had a bad start to the season. A lot of that was, the coaching was I think not, especially and a level. load
3: of injuries as well. Remember, well, like, there's well, so
1: many people out. Well, bingo, bingo, and now some of those people have returned from injury.
3: I mean, this was like Steph Horton would literally yeah. lift the tro- lifted the trophy with her foot in plaster and on crutches.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like I think it was Molly Hudson
3: is- wrote a thing saying uh, that was that picture actually was kind of symbolic of City's si- season as a whole. That's
1: that's fair. And this, the team we saw in the final was a truer reflection. Um. Of City and what they're capable of. Um, so. uh, just
3: sorry to jump in, but I think that also, uh, despite the injury problems that they have had this season, I still think they've underperformed. No, I agree. Because I agree. of the strength, and I think Gareth Taylor has undercoached that side at, at some right. times and I completely has, agree, and has made some peculiar decisions in terms of lineup and 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 tactics. Mm. So I uh, yeah, I think despite all of the. Injury problems that they have had, I still think they've underperformed the season. So to come away from it with a trophy is pretty good for them.
1: Mm. I feel like Chelsea kind of needed this trophy as well. I don't know. I know the Conti Cup is not like the high profile of the FA Cup, but I think in terms of trajectory, I think they needed this. Um, You know, they're out of the Champions League. They're a few points back in the league and Arsenal are just handling business. I don't know. I just feel like you've got to come out of this season with multiple trophies. Um, so we'll see what they can do in the FA Cup. But this was um, just a step back, I feel. Yeah,
3: Arsenal beat Birmingham in the WSL this week and 4-2, which mm. means that they've put more pressure on Chelsea at the top. Arsenal are eight points clear of Chelsea now. Chelsea do have uh, three games in hand. They've got to go to Everton. Arsenal have got to go to Brighton. So I think there is, as we've seen this season, and Leah Williamson said, when you all did the pod together, those top two or three have been dropping points outside of those fixtures this season which has been mm. a, it's a, a little more regularly than it has happened in the past so I still think there's going to be t- uh, what's the word turns and what am I t- what am I t- t- twists and turns twists and turns that's the word Jesus God what's going on Do, can I just say something I'm really struggling at the moment to, uh, to, to articulate to articulate and keep a clear mind when recording podcasts extremely difficult I think probably the most difficult since we started doing this actually I know
1: the feeling, man. I know the feeling.
3: Really, like, honestly, it's so strange. Anyway,
1: congratulations to my City. Yes, yes, absolutely. A good weekend all round. Let's go to
3: Italy. Napoli 0, Milan 1.
1: Yes, that guy again. If someone, had, if someone <laughs> said to you two years ago that a resurgent Milan would be top of Serie A thanks to the swashbuckling centre forward, you'd be like, oh, Zlatan's doing it again. Indian summer. And you'd be like, ah-ha-ha. Ha. It is not he. Olivier Giroud on a mixed weekend I think it's fair to say for Europe's centre-four number nines with a performance of the greatest traditional qualities were number nine, a superb finish for the winner, a deflected finish through a crowd. Really good. Really great. Really great. Um, Old school Gianni Vre- Rivera style, old school, old school finish. And also like with a really, playing with a really terrible, like, cut to his ankle a gash to his ankle I, you know, I love Cola Valley, but this challenge was Naughty Wow this is a bad challenge like There were a couple of naughty
3: challenges in this game actually mm-hmm. um, was it Teo Hernandez I think st- stood on Renzo Insigne's ankle
1: Oh no well. Yeah yeah. yeah. Was- the, the, can I say with this game right Napoli Milan um, Look Lovely some Napoli Are
3: you going to talk about the food
1: again? No I won't You know I'll talk about it. I think um, Look so
3: I feel like the Simpsons meme Talk about the food <laughs> again. Talk about the food again. Yay. <laughs> I had a
1: thought about this. I saw Napoli get, I watched them against Cagliari a couple of uh, weeks ago and they really struggled there to create chances. Uh, I've seen this happen a few times. Napoli, you know, obviously Cagliari a bit resurgent, got done 3-0 by Lazio, but still the overall trend to determine how they're playing, they found more intensity this part of the season. But I look back over the few games, the season, you know, the, the big matches, Napoli don't have a defining victory against a top Serie A team. You said that we did that piece, right? They don't have one mm. and this was a game and this is the thing with them. I almost wonder if the surge they've had, the leap forward they made this year has created a slightly greater expectation and they deserve simply because, to quote, you know, to use the Ian, Fry, Ian, Ian Wright tenor phrase, simply because the, their trajectory, it's really difficult for them. They're between two teams. Yeah. There's the new Napoli with the Victor Ossimen, and there's the old Napoli, no disrespect at all, none at all. Lorenzo Insigne, Dries Mertens, which got them here, and I think that Spalletti, if there's any criticism I make, he was slight, He's been too deferential to the old guard. You watch a game like this, and it's the tiny margins, it's the ability to force the ball through gaps before they close, and that that is something that the Napoli attackers around Osimhen has lost. You saw in the opening moments of the game, Di Lorenzo made good. Uh, advances down the left side. Obviously, they were thinking Rafael Leao's coming this way, Mateo Hernandez, let's get in behind. That worked, the t- first 10-15 minutes. When they got the switches together, when they worked what out what Manapi were doing, it was effectively, it was done at that point. The amount of yeah. times I saw Ossimen run into double coverage with Kalulu and Tomori. These dudes are quick, these dudes are technical and they're not bothered. They can, they can handle you one-on-one, they can handle you in a sprint. And Ossiman was brilliant. I remember at one point I was tweeting one of the guys that knows him, Omar Okotugba, who's like a good friend of his. Life. I was like, Omar, they need to help this man.
3: Yeah, I mean, he caused them so many problems in that
1: first he half. He's a serious nine. If they, if they yeah. get around him, if they, if they support him with playmakers. And also the thing I love about him is that he's just like,
3: he doesn't shy away from anything either. No there's, no, no, a, no, there's a moment in the second half, I think Teo Hernandez took a little bit of a tumble when those two challenged each other in the box, mm. in the Napoli box from a corner. Mm. And basically Hernandez was looking for a penalty and made a massive meal of it. And Ossiman was so angry with him that he literally picked him up off the ground to turn him around and face him just to have a go at him. <laughs> and they started having a bit of a ruck. And it was really funny. There's a slow-mo where uh, Koulibaly is looking to see, do I need to jump in here? And then he kind of looks for a little bit. And then in the slow-mo, he's in the foreground and the two are in the background. And he just kind of like slowly turns away as it to be like, nah, whatever. Nah, he's got, he's got this, he's got this. But he caused them so many issues in that first half in particular. Yeah, yeah. They didn't capitalise on those. And as soon as they didn't, about 20 minutes into that game, I guarantee if you said to Pioli, take Nolan at halftime and get him back in the dressing room, which is a huge cliche, I know, but I think Mm. Pioli would have been like... I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you give me that now, I'll give you my roll neck.
1: They came out really well. (laughs) You know, there was a bit, there were were a couple of times Ossiemen in the first 20 minutes there were clear moments they could have hit him with a pass and he just turned away frustrated and you're like he already knows they're they're Mm -hmm. not finding him like and his combination with Elmas and Lozano is better and it's I think it's no coincidence that those players are a bit younger they're a bit quicker although having said that if you put like a Marco Royce if you put a Marco Royce alongside Osimend, in this league, it would just to be honest. Even Marco
3: Royce now, man. Oh my god! No, that, Can you that's that's, that's why I mean. was to, that's, that's to I mean. leave Dortmund for like a just a couple of years somewhere
1: else. Marco Royce and Napoli. That's Na- what I mean. Oh I, god, I, I, I just thought to myself, oh. if you put like Marco Royce and Elmas or Lozano either side of of Osman, that's a real problem. Credit to Milan here. Um, I, I've spoken of Napoli's shortcomings, but this is also credit to Milan because that central defensive pairing, Kalula and Tamori, Here's the thing, people: you're a young English football with prospects try out the continent oh you can do God, really I great did. things me? It's, it's wonderful the centre defensive parts partnership really impressive uh, for Milan Vanessa doing uh, good things Tonali good to solid <laughs> Tonali was really funny they were beautiful passing move for Milan and then it was almost as if someone <laughs> it's almost as if Tonali heard someone shouting oh my goodness it's like the new Andrea Pirlo because he then absolutely shanked one yeah. 60 yards into the sky.
3: <laughs> there was one that Jadon Sancho had in the Manchester derby that was very had a very similar trajectory to Kepa's penalty in the, the Carabao Cup
1: final. Because it's not, it's not that often you see people absolutely skying it now, is it? You don't see it as much as you
3: uh, used to. Mate, I watch Thomas Partey every week. <laughs> Elsewhere in Serie A, Roma upsetting Atalanta 1-0.
1: Tammy Abraham is Tony has I'd be very interested to see to which clubs are like in that, in the agent's WhatsApp. I love this footballer. I love his skill set. I love what he does, what he brings. Mourinho, as we know, has a great relationship with number nines in terms of developing them. You know, if you look at his track record of the nines he's worked with and the job he's done, it's been outstanding. And I think the thing about Mourinho is I think he loves, you could write an essay, well, I probably should. The relationship between Mourinho and his his number nines is that it's such an alpha thing, right? I, I kind of hoped when Tammy went there it was always one of those ones where it was like it can go either way but I was quietly I was quietly confident not only because Mourinho was there and he loves working with strikers as we know but also the energy with which Tammy Abraham invested in it Mm. you know it was fully he lent fully into it he embraced it and and it's working I hope he doesn't leave immediately no stay man stay. stay 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 for a couple of years become a legend you know Elsewhere in Serie A,
3: Juve beat Spezia 1-0. Inter hammered, is it Yeah, 5-0. 5-0 on Friday. La Torre hat-trick. Um, so Milan top by two points, Inter with a game in hand. Napoli third on 57 points. Uh, quickly in La Liga, Atleti looked really good against Betis. Two goals for Jal Felix. First one after a couple of minutes. Second one on the hour mark after... Christian Teo had equalized in stoppage time at the end of the first half for Betis, and then Thomas Lamar at the end, ten minutes to go, securing the win for Atleti. I thought they were really good, and um, they have overtaken Betis now to go fourth. I'm a little bit worried about Betis, man. I'm a little bit worried. That's two straight defeats, three in their last five in the league, and um,
1: maybe it's the cup final. Maybe maybe the qualification cup final is distraction. Maybe, so a big and deal. I think
3: you know winning the Copa del Rey for them would be way more of a big deal even though Champions League qualification is great but a European spot just... and winning the Copa del Rey is massive like the Copa del the Rey for a, lot, for a lot of teams and for most of the teams in in Spain is just so huge especially so the they've thing. not won for a long time 2005 was it the last time I think they won and if you look
1: how tough that qualification was for that final yeah if you look how hard work that was I think at some I'm not saying they were kind of like sack off the league I'm not saying that mm. but you look at a resurgent Barca mm. You look at resurgent Barcelona and thinking where do you put most of your efforts because Barcelona now under Xavi are looking like a very different beast. Yeah, looking good. If someone is saying to you we need some real intensity going for this cup qualification and then we'll turn our attention back to the league. This isn't the worst configuration to be with. Look, I mean, they've still got plenty of games to go.
3: Yeah, I still think Atleti and Barcelona are going to drop points. Yeah, right. Absolutely. For sure. Um, nearly did at the weekend. Nearly did. They nearly yeah. did. They scraped through against Elche 2-1. Real Madrid beat Real Sociedad 4-1 on Saturday at Oh my God, Burn the goals.
1: The goals were Kamavinga and Modric. Look at those goals! Nice to see Kamavinga in the lineup.
3: And that three, that midfield three, actually worked super well. Like Modric, Casemiro, and Kamavinga.
1: But they know this is the thing about Kamavinga. He's like he's the air apparent. Yeah, he's just there waiting, isn't he? Yeah, they, yeah. Just, it's like like Vinicius. They're just in the wings, just hanging around in the mix, mm. enjoy it, soak it up, and you'll get your chance. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's been told that because they really, they really pursued that man. Oh my God, it's so cool being Camavinga. Your first season at Madrid, get a game here, get a game there. And it's Madrid. I, I mean, know,
3: man, yeah. The
1: food, the food.
3: Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, Valencia beat Granada 3-1. Did you see the thing about, um, obviously Valencia uh, went through to the Copa del Rey final. They'll play Betis. Did you see the stat about the ball being in play less than 90 minutes throughout the whole of the tie? No, no, no. Valencia against Athletic Club. The ball, I think, was in play for something like 86 minutes throughout the whole tie. I was just like, Bordella's ball, baby. Baudela's That's incredible. <laughs> That's
1: incredible.
3: Uh, in France, quickly, Nice beat PSG on Saturday, 1-0. It's
1: PSG's second defeat in three in the league. Gautier. Didn't he do them in the league, in the league cup as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a great coach. He's just a great coach. Yeah, we love They're- Christophe Gautier. I think Mbappe was out. There was a great moment um, at the final whistle. Great finish from Delors late on. But there was a, there was a funny moment that was after the final whistle where Nice player goes over to the ball and flicks it up with his heel over his head and then just walks off. And then Neymar has a go at him. And I'm Aww. like, I'm I'm like, I'm like that, is, that is absolutely the thing that Neymar does to everyone else. In a game. And, and it wasn't even directed at Neymar in particular, but the guy was, Neymar was almost like, hang on a minute. That's my contempt. If you, if you go and watch it again, it's so fun. It's just like, what are you going after? Um, but yeah, Neymar, Neymar sometimes just picks the most silly fights. He's just like, what are you doing? He's trying, he's trying to feel something. He's to, we're all trying to feel something, but there's other ways to feel something. Um, what was great, the thing you said about Gary Neville? Yes. He talked about doing a two-footed lunge. He was talking about it on Sky. He said, oh, like, oh, one of those players, you know, you can see a two-footed lunge come in. And I was just like, what are you? You're well, inciting. you know,
3: he's joined the Labour Party now, so at least he's trying to put forward a strong opposition.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> Political rye, there he is. Fucking hell. <laughs> just fucking do him <laughs> that, was kind, that was kind of the energy you <laughs> could do him see I have a theory about Gary Neville like, because he's so, um, he's so balanced as a commentator when watching and praising City against United even though it's obviously killing him that every now and again the, the, the United fan in him just bursts to the surface Yeah, it's really amazing how much he holds back actually or well, imagine how he watches the game at home it's almost frightening
3: unbelievable
2: unbelievable.
3: We've done, you know, podcasts I've been very proud of this year, but I think the thing I've been most proud of was putting footage of the Singapore airlines landing at Heathrow airport that day on big jet TV (laughs) with (laughs) the Gary Neville Torres commentary over the top of it. Yeah, that's so
1: good. You need to send me that again. Actually, I want to share that again on Twitter. It was so good.
3: (laughs) Um, Let's quickly go to the Bundesliga. Bayern dropped points. They uh, drew one more with Leverkusen. However, they were so fortunate.
1: Great on go from Thomas Miller. Great finish. It was a superb in, in the near post, yeah. Great timing. Super.
3: Bayern had loads of the ball. Leverkusen had the better opportunities. And I think they might be a little bit annoyed here. Dortmund's game against Mainz was postponed because of, I think, 19 cases, COVID cases in the Mainz camp. Dortmund are only six points behind Bayern. No, sorry, nine points behind Bayern with a game in hand. And the goal there's another, and there's the goal another game though. to play against each other. But the goal difference. Well, I'm just pretending that there's a title race on. Can you just let me live for a sec, please? Fair enough. It's fair enough. Just, I'll, I'll allow it. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Hertha are in serious trouble. They are now in the relegation playoff spot, uh, losing 4-1 at home to Freddie Bobic's old side, Eintracht Frankfurt. Bobic is uh, he's coming under a bit of pressure at Hertha, sporting director, that is. There are many, many questions around Hertha. Leipzig drew with Freiburg, which is interesting because Hoffenheim won against Cologne on Saturday which means that Hoffenheim are now fourth in the Champions League spots RB Leipzig two points behind them along with Freiburg they're both on 41 points Wolfsburg being Union
1: The 1-0. loss of Max Kruser has really yeah. affected Union started yeah. against his old side but just in terms of what it's done to Union themselves, you know, mm. like as an attacking pivot, he was essential for them. Probably
3: the most eye-catching result of the weekend was Stuttgart being Gladbach 3-2. Uh, Christoph Kramer after the game, he came out with some strong words. Because remember, like, Gladbach were 2-0 up in this game as well. Lose, lost 3-2. Derek Ray posted this on Twitter. He said, I don't know who's going to help us. Perhaps, dear God, we're standing with 11 men in our own half and have never really had the feeling of properly getting out. They were playing on the edge of our peni- penalty area at will. We simply have a thousand building sites at the moment that we really, really must deal with. It's not working out well there. No, it's not. Yeah, I have no idea how long that's going to go on for. Anyway, anything else you want to shout out from this weekend?
1: No, I think that's good. I think all present and correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are we all good? Yes, we are. <laughs> you know what's back this week? <laughs> 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 bow, 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 bow. <laughs> All right, let's
3: get out of here. Let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Anyone affected by what's going on at the moment. sending in love. Obviously, elsewhere, get vaccinated if you can, get that booster if you can. Um, right, Right's house on Wednesday. Don't forget to check that. We'll be back on Thursday with some Champions League stuff this week. We'll Stadio was plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Trevor Dandy. Is there any love? Anything you want to add, Musa No,
1: Your Honour. Nothing further.
3: Alright everyone, stay well, much love, we'll be back on Thursday. See you then.